Good morning, church. Uh, today's reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. That's page 1161 in the church Bibles. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Richard, thank you so much for reading to us, bringing the word to life this morning. Good morning. A DIY, somebody with DIY skills is, um, is pretty indispensable, as I found out a few years ago. We had, a, we had a leak in our bath in our old house, and through my skills, my excellent skills of observation, I observed that um, the sealant around the bath had kind of worn away over time. So every time somebody had a shower the water was like leaking down the sides of the bath and there were watermarks appearing on the ceiling uh, below. And rather than pay some kind of skilled professional to come in and, you know, shell out £100 for somebody just to put a little white line around the bath, I thought, you know what, it can't be that hard, can it? It can't be that hard. So there I was, I stood up to my ankles in freezing cold water because I'd read on the internet that apparently you have to seal a full bath. Apparently that's right. Don't know why I didn't put hot water in there. That was silly. Um... But I was there, I was making a total mess with the sealant gun around the outside. Uh, it turns out it is actually a lot harder than it looks. If you can do it, please tell me the secret, because I still have no idea. After what felt like a whole day's work, I sort of stood back and looked at the mess that I created and thought, well, it does look a mess, but I'm pretty sure it will do the job. Imagine my horror then when a few days later that watermark started appearing on the ceiling in the kitchen again. 
And so um, I bit the bullets and I called out the professional and he did a proper job. He stripped out all the old sealant, all the mucky stuff underneath and he, he sealed it with this like pristine white line around the outside. I don't know how they do it. There must be some kind of plumber magic or something. The problem was I was trying to self-improve when actually I was missing the issue. No matter how many times I kept going around the edge with the sealant gun, it was never going to solve the problem. It was never going to fix the leak because I hadn't done the job, the job properly. I couldn't solve the problem by trying harder because the problem was underneath, not on the surface. I wonder this morning if you can relate to that. Every new year, do you say to yourself, you know, this year is going to be the year when I really get to grips with things. You know, we heard from Will uh, a few weeks ago about New Year's resolutions. Maybe at the beginning of each year, you think to yourself, right, this year is the year I'm going to be more happy. I'm going to have more purpose. I'm going to get more healthy. And yet you get to December the 31st and things not really any better. In many ways, they might be a bit worse. Well, I've got good news for you this morning, because as we look at this text together, we're going to open up a whole new way of living. A, a chance, we're going to find a chance to, uh, to get a whole new system installed, not tinker around the edges, but actually sort the problem out once and for all. In this text, we're going to find, as I said, an invitation to life. So let's keep our Bibles open. We always encourage that here at LPC. We want to be rooted in the words. We're on page 1161, uh, chapter 5 verse two, um, of 2 Corinthians, beginning at verse 11. It's at the bottom right of your page, 1161. And it's important for us to know here that we're coming into reading a letter. And it's a letter from somebody called Paul, who was basically an early church leader. And Paul's job was to go around um, planting or starting new church communities in different parts of the world. And this was a church in somewhere in Greece called Corinth. And he, he'd started this new church a few years before. And now he's writing to them with a bit of an update. And in the meantime, he's heard from them. He's heard news via the grapevine that there's been a group of false teachers that have come into this place in Corinth. And they're trying to lead the people away from the good news that he taught. They're trying to tell the people that actually you don't need to listen to Paul. We've got a better message for you. So Paul is writing here to the people of Corinth to encourage them to stand firm in the message that he preached them, the message of Jesus, the good news. And he does this by holding out three invitations to them. And those invitations are also extended to us this morning. And the first one Paul holds out, he invites them to forget the old way. Look at what he writes, Paul, in verse 12. He says, we are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. In other words, Paul is saying, don't look at the stuff on the outside. You know, don't be taken in by how charismatic and how good looking and, and, and how sort of compelling these people are. Don't worry about how sparkly their PowerPoint is. Focus on the message. Compare the truth of what I've said to you to actually what they're saying to you. You see, before Jesus, most of the religious teachers, the, the standard teaching was, if you want to live a good life, if you want to be a better person, you have to obey the rules. You have to get better at obeying the rules and be more sort of careful in how you stick to it. From the things that you eat, from the way that you live, to the, even the way that you wash your hands, the work that you do. 
But Jesus came to change all that. His message was the opposite. He said, you guys are focusing on the wrong things. You're looking on the outside, on the stuff you do, but however hard you try on your own, you're not going to be good enough. Believe in me, and I'll change you from the inside out. And these false teachers here in Corinth were trying to call people back to the old way and say, no, 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 actually, it's good to, we need to obey the law. That's how we're going to get right with God. That's how we're going to live a good life. We're going to go back to the old practices. Now, I'd love you to put your hand up if you've never made a mistake in your whole life. No one? Now put your hand up if you've made some kind of mistake in the last week. Yeah, full house. Exactly. No matter how good we are at self-improvement, we'll always fall short because we're fallible. We're human, aren't we? We're not perfect. And Paul's reminding the church here that Jesus came to overhaul the old system of self-improvement. You know, he's saying, lose the DIY, put your sealant guns away. That doesn't work because it doesn't sort out the underlying problems. And I know for me, that's, that's so true. You know, I always have good intentions, but no matter how determined I am to improve myself, whether it's getting more healthy or eating better or achieving career goals, no matter how many courses I enroll on or how many fitness plans I sign up for, it never works when I try to do it by myself. And I can keep reinventing myself with each new year. You know, I say, right, it's 2024, I'm Tom 2.0. I've got all the upgrades. I've got all the latest software. But actually, you know, I'm still getting older every day. Self-improvement has a limit, doesn't it? We all die. I'm going to die one day. We all die. It's the ultimate statistic. One in one of us dies. Self-improvement has a fundamental limit, doesn't it? We're not, we can't improve to the point of living forever. We need something more. And that is where there is good news for us this morning because Paul gives us something more. In the next invitation that he holds out to the people in Corinth, he says, remember the new way. Remember the new way. Look at verse 17. He writes, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. You know, it's not just the old has been improved, the old has been upgraded, the old has been given a fresh coat of sealant. No, Paul writes that the old has literally gone. And it's actually even more profound than that because the word that he uses for old is worn out. It, it translates as worn out. So it's, he's like saying the worn out has been chucked away. The new has come. And we've seen that this morning, an amazing example, haven't we, in the lives um, of Georgie and Tony and Ella and all those guys that we baptised. The old has gone. That's a symbolism of baptism. You go down into the water to symbolise death to your old life and you come up to symbolise new life in Jesus. The old has gone. The new has come. It's a little bit like buying a new car. You know, if you want to buy a new car, you don't drive your old one down to the dealer and then walk away with a few modifications. You drive your old one down to dealing. You drive away in a brand new car. That's what it's like. We don't just get reinvented or recalibrated or rehabilitated. We get recreated when we come to Jesus. 
Now, if you were here last week with us at LPC, you'll have heard um, this guy's testimony, Warren. It was amazing, wasn't it, if you came? If you didn't come, really encourage you to catch up on it. Really interesting, uh, powerful story. It's on, available on our podcast stream, but it's also on our website as well, on our resources page. Really encourage you to catch up on that. But Warren was um, on the 90s TV show Gladiators, as you can see there. Uh, and his gladiator name was Ace. Um, and at the peak of his career, he was attractive, rich, and famous. He had everything. And yet he described to us last week how he was utterly empty. He tried everything to fill the void. He investigated every religion going, every spirituality, every remedy, until somebody challenged him to try Alpha. And so he did, and through Alpha, his life changed. He met Jesus, as you can see. He's now training to become a vicar. And he described last week how suddenly uh, new life began to flow out of him when he gave his life to the Lord. Within two weeks, his wife Dee, he said, could see he had changed. And she, she said to him, look, I, I need what you've got. So he stopped caring about improving himself, about being the strongest person, about growing his brand, about dating supermodels. And he just began overflowing with joy in Jesus. He'd had enough of reinventing himself. And he decided to go for Jesus' recreation. I wonder if, like me, you've been down that kind of self-improvement path. Have you tried diets, mindfulness, exercise plans? You know, none of these things are bad in themselves, but has any of it ever worked? You see, the thing is, what I didn't tell you was the full story about my bar ceiling problem. Because years later, actually years later, watermarks started appearing on the ceiling again over months and months, so gradually. And in the end, we noticed there was something going on. And we'd actually moved out of the property by this point. And thankfully, we have the most amazing tenant living in there now who actually knew what they were doing and pulled off the bath panel and found underneath the bath, the whole drainage system was just leaking all over the floor. So tinkering with the sealant on the outside was never going to solve the problem. No amount of tinkering around the edges was going to help. We needed a complete refit, a whole new system, change on the inside. That's what Paul is reminding us this morning. Stop trying to reinvent yourself and let God recreate you. So he's invited us to forget the old way, to remember the new way. And that's great. You know, I'm, I'm convinced by that. I'm up for that. I'm up for living in the new way. I don't know about you. We've already explored my DIY capacities. I think I'm probably limited in terms of self-improvement. But what do I actually get with this new way? You know, what difference will it make to my life? Well, here is where Paul brings us the best news of all. Because living in the new way is actually an invitation to walk in the living way. Listen to what Paul says at the end of this section in verse 20 to 21. Listen to his tone here. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can you hear how desperate he is when he's asking this? We implore you on Christ's behalf. Sounds like one of those adverts you see on Christmas Day for the Boxing Day sales, doesn't it? Come, biggest discount ever. We beg you to come to our shop. Life-changing discounts. 
But the difference is this isn't just a bargain offer. It's not even like a never-to-be-repeated Boxing Day sale. It's not even Amazon Prime Day, you know? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity of receiving real life from the creator of the universe. You see, ever since the beginning, the kind of creation of humans, all we have ever done is self-improvement. It's our tendency. It's what we always fall back into. Otherwise, why would all the uh, bookshelves in Waterstones be stacked full of those kind of like self-help guides? In our daily choices, we convince ourselves that we don't need God to get better at doing life. If we try harder, if we invest in the right training, then surely we're going to get better. And yet time and time again, things don't go the way we want, do they? We fall short, we mess up, we put our needs before others. You only have to take a look at the world around, as we've been praying this morning, to see where self-improvement gets us. And the Bible calls this sin. And because God is perfect, our sin puts up a kind of like barrier, a wall between us, between us and him. And while sin is there, we can't get close to God. It blocks everything that we try to do. It stops us living a better life because all we're doing is trying to get better. Well, actually, it's double jeopardy because when we're trying to pull the wall down, we're building it higher. We're in the old way. We're trying to obey the rules. It's a bit like me with my sealant gun. You know, I'm trying to fix the problem on the outside when actually the problem's in the heart. It's underneath. You've got to pull the panel away and refit the system. So that's why Paul's inviting us to a real living solution, a whole new system, complete recreation. He's inviting us to Jesus because Jesus was both fully human and fully God's. He lived a completely false, a faultless life, but was condemned to die a criminal's death. And by doing that, he offers us the chance to exchange our faults and our blame for his perfect life. And it's this exchange, this unbeatable deal that Paul is begging us to take up here in this verse. He's saying, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can exchange our mess-ups for his perfection. Isn't that the most incredible invitation? You know, in the world when we try and negotiate some kind of exchange, you know, if I drive my car down to the dealer tomorrow, I'm not, I can't just drive out with another new car, can I, without exchange, money changing hands. It's not a fair exchange. You have to exchange things of like value. And yet here, Paul is offering us exactly the opposite of that. He's offering us the chance to exchange something worth nothing our old self-improving way, for something worth everything, Jesus' life-giving way. Listen to these words from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, who was speaking before Jesus, but he's speaking into the future about the coming of Jesus. He says, The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, comfort to all who mourn, beauty instead of of ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of a spirit of despair. What an amazing exchange that is. I experienced that firsthand when I was 19. 
I was in my first year of university and I was kind of running my own path. I was living my best life. I was intent on self-improvement. And then a friend of mine um, invited me to go to a Christian youth festival in summer called Soul Survivor. And I thought I'd go, but to be honest, my expectations weren't particularly high. In my head, it was going to be a few hundred people in the middle of a field wearing yellow t-shirts, singing Shine Jesus Shine at the top of their voice. Like super emotionally intense. There's nothing wrong with Shine Jesus Shine, by the way. I love that song. But that's in my head what my expectation was. The reality couldn't have been more different. On the first night, there was this incredible celebration with like thousands of young people, all just so full of joy and full of life. And I looked at it and thought, I knew, I knew that couldn't come from anywhere else other than God, that joy. It was such supernatural joy, as we've heard this morning, shared from uh, Tony and Georgie about how God's changed their life. It was that kind of joy. And I looked at them and I thought, I need what you've got. I want what you've got. So during that conference, I gave up on reinvention and I surrendered to recreation. I said yes to Jesus' invitation to exchange my mess-ups for his perfection, my ashes for his beauty, my fear, my anxiety for his joy, my death for his life. If you've not responded to that invitation yourself and you would like to, we, we'd love to extend another invitation to you this week to come along to Alpha. Will's already mentioned it. If you want to find out more about this beautiful exchange, you can be a part of it. It starts on Tuesday evening. We've got 50 or so people already signed up. So you can come along with them. You can ask all of your questions. It's completely free. No pressure, no strings, no follow-up. We have a great meal together. We discuss. You get a chance to ask, what's my purpose? What happens to me when I die? Why is there suffering in the world? Where can I find life? And there's youth, Alpha Youth as well, which Will's mentioned if you're 18 or under. We'd love you to come. You never know. It might just change your life. You know, Tony and Georgie and Warren all, came, all went on Alpha. All changed their lives. Look at how full of life they are today as we look out this morning and see the joy that they have as they're baptized. And even if you've already said yes to this invitation, who are you going to pass it on to? You know, you might have friends that are desperate to know this kind of life, but they don't know how to ask. I'm here because somebody invited me to Soul Survivor. Georgie's here because she, hey, somebody invited her to come to Alpha. Tony's here because somebody invited him to come to Alpha. Who wouldn't want what these guys have got? Let me ask you this morning. Do you have ashes in your life that you would love to exchange for beauty? Are you in despair and you'd love to be praising? Are you mourning and you would love to know joy? Are you tired of trying to reinvent yourself? Maybe you've tried every diet plan going. You've done meditation. You've done mindfulness, coaching, everything. But self-improvement just isn't enough. This morning, Jesus offers you an invitation out of the old into the new to walk in the living way.
It's a chance to stop your own reinventing and to receive his wonderful recreating. This morning, Jesus offers you an invitation to life. Will you say yes? Amen.